You know, uh, Ralph Fiennes, who yeah. plays Voldemort? Did you know his full name is Ralph Nathaniel Twistleton Wycombe Fiennes? I didn't Tw know that. Twistleton. <laughs> Strictly entertaining. Nice! God. Nailed it! It's only taken us two years. Oh, we got it. Yeah. We now have a catchphrase. Well, we've had the catchphrase. We now just say it in all of our yeah. intros. Yeah. Um, How are you? We're spooky today. Spooky. If we had thought about it, we could have... Dressed a little spookier? Or had a bat. Yeah, Maybe in post, we'll have a bat. Well, <laughs> like, we know how to I'll do that. I'll see what iMovie has. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So, uh... It's Spooktober. Yeah, we, the end. We, yeah, yeah. This should come out, if everything goes right, on the 29th. You'll have yeah. two days to listen to this before Halloween. Yeah. All Hallow's Eve, if you will. True. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which we love. We do. How do you feel about Halloween? I love Halloween. Do you like being scared? Yes. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, mostly I do. Okay. Like, I love haunted houses. Mm -hmm. I like... Uh, scary movies that aren't demonic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I when I go to a haunted house, I try to get. I'm not trying to be like this is dumb. I'm yeah. like you want to be scared. It. You know. Yeah. yeah. You do love dressing up. I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love trick or treaters. Okay. Yeah. So, and this year, DJ's in a house. In a house in a pretty big neighborhood. Yeah. 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 So I'm expecting a lot of trick or treaters. Should be good. Mm -hmm. We have a hundred and. 20 pieces of candy, something like that. Ready to go. Yeah, we're ready. We got the good bag, we're good. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Do you like being scared? Um, I don't mind a jump scare. Okay. Like, it's kind of fun, like, if a roommate jumps out and, like, spooks you. Sure. I'm not good with, like, anything more than that. Okay. Mm -hmm. like, so, no scary movies? I, I've been dabbling. Okay. I saw Happy Death Day this year. Have you Happy seen that? Death Day. No, that was, like, a legit scary movie, though, right? It's not that bad. Okay. It's like a comedy horror movie. Oh, okay, okay. It's Groundhog Day, but it's the day she died. Oh, no, I do remember So that. after a couple deaths, you're like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But that's fine. Um, I do not like like haunted houses. Okay. And that's hard in Utah, where we both went to school. Better. Because it's what everyone does. It's what everyone time. does. Especially in college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's so many, and but they're not my favorite. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, this is a Halloween-themed episode. Ooh. Ooh, spooky. So you know what? If it's not your jam, hate to tell you. Yeah, find a new episode. Turn off. Yep. It's fine. Um, let's start this week with our rants, recs, and random questions. Love it. Uh, so that we can get into the spook stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's your rant? My rant is actually about what we were just talking about. There is not enough mid-range scary movies. Are you kidding me? That is literally my rant. My <laughs> we rant. We have not talked about this. This is what I wrote down. Not enough spooky movies for adults. 
there. Not scary, not spooky. spooky. Yeah. Like a couple jump scares, but yeah. just like Halloween themed. Exactly. If there are any like that, it's for kids. Yes. Yeah. Last night I was like, I should I should watch a Halloween movie. Ended up with Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> Let me tell you, not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Um, but there was there's no mid range. No. Cause then you get out of spooky and you get into like actiony thriller. Sure. Like Jaws, I wouldn't say is a scary movie. Right. Well, and then there's like those like uh there are those like thrillers that have jump scares in yeah. them. But those aren't like spooky. No. Yeah. I need more like murder mystery movies. Yeah. Yeah. But not like Glass Onion. Like Knives no. Out. That's not spooky. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. a little bit more like police. You know, there was there were there was one called Ready or Not, Hide and Seek, something like that. Mm. And it was really fun. It was campy. It wasn't too scary. Yeah. It was about like a family where there's a tradition that they, when somebody gets married, they play a game and it's random. Okay. And if it happens to fall on this one, the game is to like literally kill oh, wow. the bride. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, and it happened to land on that. Okay. Anyway. And so she's trying to not get killed all night. Okay. It's pretty good. It's with on Anya Taylor. Oh, Anya Taylor Joy. That one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. I just I need yeah. a little bit more. Reason. Yeah, yeah. There's I not enough. I would say like for sure. the sign or the village are like that's a good dude. Level. Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like even some of his other ones are just like creepy. Yeah. Or like I would say even Sixth Sense goes just slightly too far. Mm. It's like a little bit. No, dude. Yeah. I know the end. Well, you should. Uh, it's actually genuinely a good movie. Okay. But there is like one scene that's like pretty, pretty freaky. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, I can't believe we are in the exact same We've never done there. this before, but what, we agree. What's your wreck? My wreck is, this is also for my girl Kelly, <laughs> Reese's Take Five. Oh. Because I like a Reese's, but sometimes sure. it's, it's not, it's not enough. enough. It's not enough. Yeah. But you put a pretzel in there, mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. changer. Yeah. So great, right? And in the season, I feel like Reese's is like the Halloween candy. Everything else is kind of like flexible. Yeah, but like Halloween, you need Reese's. Yeah. Yeah, my wreck. On this Halloween, Mm -hmm. just do a marathon of your favorite Halloween episodes from your Mm -hmm. favorite TV shows. That's a good wreck. My wife and I did this last year while we were dating. It was really fun. It's now become a tradition. We already are planning. Like, what are we going to do on Halloween before the trick-or-treaters arrive? Yeah. We're going to watch Halloween episodes. What is one of your favorite Halloween episodes? Um, so, <laughs> it's The Office. Uh-huh. Specifically, there's a cold open that they don't show anymore. Okay. Because. It's a little rough. Well, Michael fakes suicide. Oh. And they showed it. I'm pretty sure it's on the DVDs, but it's not on any of the streaming platforms oh. because it's, like, too dark. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway. Uh, but then there's the, the Halloween episode where, that's, like, my favorite cold open. They do the Halloween episode where they have, like, the the uh, fashion show. Oh, and everybody, like, goes all out. And yeah. And they all vote for Toby, or for uh, Oscar because he just dresses as himself. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't, I don't want to win. Yeah, anyway. It was good. That's good. Okay. My random question. Tell me. Okay. It's two-parter. Okay. Breaking the rules today. Okay. Think of your, your quintessential fake Halloween characters. So not like Freddy and Jason. Sure. Because those are real. Right. <laughs> but like, 
werewolf, oh, okay. vampire, sure. Frankenstein, mummy. Like your monster. Ghost. Yeah, sorry. Monsters. Okay. Who do you think is this? Who, if they were real, would be the scariest? Okay. And who do you think you would enjoy spending time with? Who would genuinely be the scariest? Yeah. These are real. I have a, a, I, I have a picture of them all if you need that. <laughs> yeah, give me a picture. Because I couldn't remember. Yeah. What the traditional ones are. Yeah. Throw, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Super spook. Yeah. Um. Okay, so zombies in there too. Mummy. I'm, I still I think I'm going to go with werewolf. Okay. I don't know. There's something exceptionally creepy about a man that turns into like an uncontrollable beast. Yeah. So like one minute, like he's your buddy and the next he'll try to kill you. Yeah. That's super scary. Um, And then the one I think I have the best time with, probably the witch. Okay. Yeah. She's just a, she's just a sassy gal. Yeah. <laughs> just a misunderstood mm -hmm. woman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would say, I agree that I think a werewolf would be scary. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, the werewolf scenes in Harry Potter give me the willies. Scary. He's gross. Yeah. I prefer a furry werewolf. They nailed that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the slimy, ooh, mm -hmm. weird ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say maybe a zombie would be the scariest. Oh, yeah. Because there's no reasoning. There's no right thing. Yeah. I would say the one I'd probably get along with the best would be Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I think, like the witch, just misunderstood. Just no, for sure, though. Have you read the book? No. Amazing book. Okay. Honestly. And I think it's only like 300 pages. Oh, like it's good. pretty small. Yeah. Um, he is misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like people can't literally understand what he's saying. He's yep. probably trying to be nice. He, he is. Yeah. He's just trying to find his master. Yeah. Uh, my random question, what's the costume you're most proud of? I would say I was a gumball machine once. That's a good costume. Yeah. yeah. Trash bag filled with mini balloons. Sure. Red pants, red beanie. That's genuinely incredible. That was great. Yeah. I don't have anything like that. No. Uh -uh. What, what was yours? Uh, I think the costume I'm genuinely most proud of is uh, last year what I did to my wife. We, she was Lewis Hamilton, so we oh. tattooed her, and I drew his tattoos on her hands, yeah. and it looked a it looked lot like it. his tattoos. Yeah. So I think genuinely that, as far as my favorite costume that I've ever been, I was, no, that's lame. Oh. I was Three Hole Punch Jim, but who was I think your Mr. Clean was so good. Oh, that's right. I forgot I was Mr. Clean. That was like when me and DJ were first like yeah. becoming friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he showed up to a dance party. No beard. No beard. Had dyed your eyebrows white. Correct. Had a fake earring in. Yep. And you were Mr. Clean. Yeah. And everyone knew who you were. Yeah. That's true. That was a good one. I take it all back. That's yeah. the one I'm most proud of. I think I'm... No, I came in second in the... The contest. Con yeah, because the girls who did White Chicks. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, me and DJ were at that same location this weekend for we a were. wedding. Yep. It was a completely different vibe. Mm-hmm. But same venue. Same venue. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Spooks time. Let's get into our scary stories. You have some scary stories to share? I do. Mine, I think, are shorter than... <laughs> DJ got a whole, if you're watching the video, stack of books. Yeah. They are children's books. Yeah. But, like, my stories are a little bit smaller. Okay. But we can just go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, you go first. Okay. I just... So, I'm on Vulture. I'm picking 
the best one of the scary stories to tell in the dark. It's called Harold. Oh. That's book number three. This is from book number three, yeah. It's not in here. So, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yes, it is. Harold, page 30. Okay, ready? <laughs> I'm glad we're doing this. When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool green pasture in the mountains to graze. Usually they stayed there with the cows for two months. Then they brought them down to the valley again. The work was easy enough, but oh, it was boring. All day the two men tended their cows. At night they went back to the tiny hut where they lived. They ate supper and worked in the garden and went to sleep. It was always the same. Then Thomas had an idea that changed everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man. It would be fun to make, and we could put it in the garden to scare away the birds. It should look like Harold, Alfred said. Harold was a farmer they both hated. Ugh. They made the doll out of old sacks stuffed with straw. <laughs> they gave it a pointy nose like Harold and tiny eyes like his. Then they added dark hair and a twisted frown. Of course, they also gave it Harold's name. Each morning on their way to the pasture, they tied Harold to a pole oh in the garden to scare away the birds. Each night, they brought him inside so he wouldn't get ruined if it rained. When they were feeling playful, they would talk to him. One of them would say, How are the vegetables growing today, Harold? Then the other, making believe he was Harold, would answer in a crazy voice, Very slowly. They would both laugh, but not Harold. Never Harold. Whenever something went wrong, they took it out on Harold. They would curse at him, kick him, or punch him. Sometimes, one of them would take the food they were eating, which they were both sick of, and smear it on the doll's face. How did you like the stew, Harold? He would ask. Well, you'd better eat it or else. Then the two men would howl with laughter. One night after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. How could he grunt, Alfred said. He's just a sack of straw. It's not possible. Let's throw him in the fire, said Thomas, and that will be that. Let's not do anything stupid, said Alfred. We don't know what's going on. When we move the cows down, we'll leave him behind. For now, let's just keep an eye on him. So they left Harold sitting in the corner of the hut. They didn't talk to him or take him outside. Now and then, the dog grunted, but that was all. After a few days, they were decided there was nothing to be afraid of. Maybe a mouse or some sticks had gotten inside Harold and were making these sounds. Some sticks. That's what they So Thomas and Alfred went back to their old ways. Each morning they put Harold out in the garden, and each night they brought him back into the hut. When they felt playful, they joked with him. When they felt mean, they treated him badly as ever. Then one night Alfred noticed something that frightened him. Harold is growing, he said. I was thinking the same thing, Thomas said. Maybe it's our imagination, Alfred replied. We have been up here on this mountain too long. The next morning, while they were eating, Harold stood up and walked out of the hut. No. He climbed up on the roof and trotted back and forth like a horse on its hind legs. All day and night he trotted like that. In the morning, Harold climbed down and stood in a far corner of the pasture. The men had no idea what he would do next. They were afraid. They decided to take the cows down into the valley that same day. When they left, Harold was nowhere in sight. They felt as if they had escaped a great danger and began joking and singing. But when they had gone only a mile or two, they realized they had forgotten to bring the milking stools. 
Neither one wanted to go back, but the stools would cost a lot to replace. There was really nothing to be afraid of, they told one another. After all, what could a doll do? They drew straws to see which one would go back. It was Thomas. I'll catch up with you, he said, and Alfred walked toward the valley. When Alfred came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas. He did not see him anywhere, but he did see Harold. The doll was on the roof of the hut again. As Alfred watched, Harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun. That's the end? That's it. <laughs> what in the world? Terrifying. That was creepy. Oh, Harold. Oh, okay. okay. I'll find some shorter ones. Okay, I got one for you. Let's see. Okay, these are ghost stories. Virginia. Oh, good on ya. Yeah, a little hometown flavor. Um, okay, this is the story of La Riviere or Ingalls Castle, the lady in the mirror. It's just short. La Riviere, known locally as Ingalls Castle, was built in 1892 by the great grandson of Mary Draper Ingalls, a local legend in her own right. The story goes that a Shawnee tribe captured Mary and her two sons in 1755 during the raid of Draper's Meadow. Later that same year, she and another woman escaped before walking nearly 600 miles home. With such an auspicious family history, it's almost a given that the castle, built more than 100 years later, would have some mystery attached. La Riviere was built by William Captain Billy Ingalls for his wife Minnie, but burned down the day before they were scheduled to move in. Captain Billy rebuilt the castle within a year exactly as it had been. Rumor has it a woman known as the Lady in the Mirror haunts the castle. Mm. On McClanahan Bass, a frequent house guest of the Ingalls family, was standing in front of a mirror when lightning struck nearby. Her image seared into the mirror and can still be seen. What? <laughs> I don't know if that's bad. <laughs> Some say that the lightning activated the silver nitrate in the mirror, a material used for photography at the time. But the story of Aunt Nanny, as Bass was known, is still said to be felt in the castle's interior. After extensive renovation in the past five years, the La, the La Riviere is used presently as a wedding and special events venue, and rightly so. Every proper castle should have great parties and at least one or two ghosts. Ooh. That's creepy. Yeah. Why is it seared into the mirror? I'm trying to find a picture. There's no pictures. Which almost makes it creepier. Yeah. Oh, okay, I found a shorter one. You found one? Okay. This one's called Footsteps. Liz was doing her homework at the dining room table. Her younger sister, Sarah, was asleep upstairs. Their mother was out, but was expected to be back any minute. When the front door opened and shut, Liz called, Hello, Mama! But her mother didn't answer. And the footsteps Liz heard were heavier, like a man's. Mm. Who's there? she called. No one replied. She heard whoever it was walk through the living room, then up the stairs to the second floor. The footsteps moved from one bedroom to another. 
Again, Liz called, who's there? The footsteps stopped. The footsteps stopped. Then she thought, oh my gosh, Sarah is in her bedroom. She ran upstairs to Sarah's room. Only Sarah was there and she was asleep. Liz looked in the other rooms, but found no one. She went back down to the dining room, scared out of her wits. Soon she heard the footsteps again. They were coming down the stairs into the living room. Now they went into the kitchen. Then the door between the kitchen and dining room slowly began to open. Get out! Liz screamed. The door slowly closed. The footsteps moved out of the kitchen, through the living room, toward the front door. The door opened and shut. Liz ran to the window to see who it was. No one was in sight. Nor were there any footprints in the fresh snow. Creepy. Have you heard of Bunny Man Bridge? No. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> so this is in Clifton. Okay. Which is where you got married. Sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a, a local story. Okay. Um so Okay. The first incident of the Bunny Man was in October nineteen seventy. Uh, Cadet Robert Bennett and his fiance were visiting the, visiting relatives in the area. Around midnight, while returning from a football game, they reportedly parked their car in a field on Guinea Road to visit an uncle who lived across the street from where the car was parked. As they sat in the front seat with the motor running, they noticed something moving outside the rear window. Moments later, the front passenger window was smashed, and there was a white-clad figure standing at the broken window. Bennett turned the car around while the man screamed at them about trespassing, including, you're on private property and I have your tag number. As they drove down the road, the couple discovered a hatchet on the car floor. When the police requested a description of the man, Bennett insisted he was wearing a white suit with long bunny ears. However, Bennett's fiancé contested their assailant did not have bunny ears on his head, but was wearing a white hat of some sort. Uh, they could not determine what he looked like in the darkness. The second reported sighting of Bunny Man occurred on an evening in October 1970 when construction security guard Paul Phillips approached a man standing on the porch of an unfinished home, also in the area. Phillips said the man was wearing a gray, black, and white bunny costume and was about 20 years old, 5 foot 8, and weighed about 180 pounds. The man began chopping at a porch post with a long-handled axe, saying, you are trespassing. If you come any closer, I'll chop off your head. Um, and so this man, so this has all been, there's a bridge in Clifton uh -huh. where this man was also reportedly seen. And when people went to go find him, they found all of these dead rabbits hanging from trees. What? And so there's these rumors about the bunny man who lives by this bridge. And you shouldn't go because he has a hatchet. Uh, yeah, that's genuinely terrifying. <laughs> yeah. In your wedding backyard. I'm not going back there. Amen. Okay. This is a story from my childhood. Like, that happened to you? No, no, no. Oh. I was like, uh... It's one that I remembered, and I specifically... I bought this book so that I could read it. Because it's... Uh, it's I've thought it's of it. Your, your story. I've your thought life. of it often. Yeah. Okay. It's a little bit longer. They'd been playing the game all summer, and it had sort of worked, but Sharon suspected they hadn't really done it right. Each evening, kids from around the neighborhood would gather on one of the lawns, and they'd select a victim. 
Sharon believed it had to be someone heavy. With a light kid like Ray or Julie, it wasn't much of a trick. But with a heavier kid, they'd know if the game was real. The group wasn't exactly the same each night, but there were certain kids who usually came. And there were certain kids who usually messed everything up. Billy, for instance, would do almost anything to get a laugh, even if it meant ruining the game. Sharon had spent most of the day playing with Julie. Now she noticed that several kids had gathered a half block away on Kate's front yard. Come on, she said to Julie. I don't know, Julie said. I don't know if I want to play. Why not? Sharon took took a step away from her friends. She had to join the others before the game started. Once they'd formed the circle, it would be too late. Julie wrapped her arms around herself as if trying to hold on to her decision. Kate's so bossy. I hate that. I know how you feel, Sharon said. She looked down the street anxiously. The game would start any minute. Just don't pay attention to her. It'll be fun. And it's the last day of vacation. You can't miss it. Julie shook her head. I really don't want to go. Please, Sharon said. It won't be as much fun without you. Oh, all right, Julie said, if it means that much to you. They walked down the street and gathered with the rest of the kids. Behind them, the last of the sunlight melted away in puddles of red and purple against the sky. It would be dark soon. Up ahead, Sharon saw Kate had already taken charge of the group. Let's do it, Kate said. Anne stretched out on the ground and crossed her arms over her chest. She closed her eyes. No, Kate said, poking Anne's arm. You're too light. Get up. Anne stood without arguing, but Sharon could tell that the girl was disappointed. Kate scanned the group like a shopper looking for the nicest piece of meat in the display case. Hmm, what about Todd? Sure, Todd said, grinning at the honor. He took Anne's place on the ground. I knew your weight would come in handy someday, Billy said. Everyone gathered around Todd. Sharon knelt by his left leg. She could feel a change in the air as the kids grew serious. Kate, kneeling by Todd's head, started the game. Light as a feather, stiff as a board, Kate said. In, in a circle, starting at Kate's left, each of the others repeated the phrase, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Sharon spoke when her turn came, making sure she sounded properly serious and somber. Each of the remaining kids took a turn, ending with Ray. Todd was in a car accident, Kate said, as she sent the next phrase around the circle. Again, they repeated each word. As Sharon took her turn, she heard Billy snicker. When his turn came, Billy said Todd wet his pants. It wasn't that funny, but Sharon giggled along with some of the other kids. Even Todd started to laugh. That does it, Kate shouted. She stood up and glared around the circle. Sharon looked away, feeling anger with herself for laughing and ruining the game. This is the last day of vacation, Kate said. We get messed up every time. I want to do this right just once. You kids always ruin it. You, she said, pointing at Billy. Out. You, she said, pointing at Nora. Out. And you too. Sharon found herself staring at Kate's finger, hovering like a dagger just inches from her face. But out, Kate screamed. Sharon got up and backed away from the circle. It was a stupid game anyway, she told herself. It never worked right. After chanting all the phrases, you were supposed to be able to lift the victim at the center with just two fingers. The victim was supposed to rise was supposed to rise in the air. There were so many kids playing that it was no big trick. It wasn't like the person really floated. Julie started to get up to join Sharon. Stay, Kate ordered. We need you. Julie stood, her eyes shifting back and forth between Sharon and Kate. We don't have enough. You'll ruin everything if you go. It will be all your fault. Go ahead, Sharon said to Julie. You sure? Yeah. Julie shrugged and rejoined the others on the ground. Light as a feather, stiff as a board, Kate began. The chant went around the circle. Sharon watched 
Part of her hoping that someone would mess up, but part of her wanting to see the game done perfectly, just one time. She wasn't a member of the circle, but the chance to see it happen would still be special. She realized she'd lied to herself before. It wasn't just a stupid game. It was more than that. If it was done perfectly right, Sharon believed something wonderful would happen. Todd was in a car accident. The chant made his path around the circle. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Wait, Perfect. wait, wait. What? Todd was in a car accident? That's just what they say. Oh. One of the things they chant. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Todd is in the hospital, Kate said. Oh. Around it went. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. As always in the game, the victim's condition grew worse each term. Todd is in a coma, Kate said. It went around, no mistakes. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Todd is dead, Kate said. Each person in the circle repeated the phrase quietly and seriously. The jokers were gone. Nobody seemed to want to ruin the magic this time. In the air that surrounded her, Sharon felt as if the night was listening, watching, waiting. Light as a feather, stiff as a board, Kate said. The words took their path. Todd is in his coffin, Kate said. The chant went around. Katie started the last turn. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Her voice trembled slightly on the final word, but she spoke it clearly. Sharon held her breath, wondering if the phrase would reach the end without error. It did. For a moment, everyone in the circle remained still, as if they couldn't believe they succeeded. Then, all together, the group stood. Holding two fingers of each hand beneath Todd, they raised their hands. Light as a feather, Todd rose. They lifted their hands to shoulder height. Then they raised their hands above their heads, supporting Todd on their extended fingers. Finally, when they reached the limit that their bodies could stretch, they stopped. But Todd didn't stop. At first, Sharon thought it was a trick of the moonlight, but Todd floated slowly above the outstretched arms. It worked, someone gasped. Stop him, Sharon shouted. She ran through the circle of kids and leaped to catch hold of Todd. Her fingers brushed the back of his shirt, but he was too high for her to grab. Do something, Anne said. Kate stood, staring up at Todd. Stop that, she demanded. Come down right now. Todd continued to rise. Sharon had an idea. Do the whole thing backward. That might bring him down. I'll do it, Kate said, as she pushed Sharon aside and knelt. Quickly, she said. The others from the circle joined her on the ground. Kate paused, finally moving her lips as if she was having a hard time working out the words. She said, board it uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light. No, it all has to be backward, Sharon said. Kate glared at her. I just said it backward. Don't you know anything? But it isn't all backward. You still went first. You have to go last. And you have to go in the other direction and start with the last phrase. That makes sense, Julie said. Get out, Kate yelled, pointing at Julie. And you be quiet, she said, glaring at Sharon again. Julie stood and joined Sharon. It won't work, Sharon whispered to her. I know it won't. Anyone else have anything to say, Kate asked. Nobody spoke. Board uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light. Sharon stood up. Todd was a dark splotch above her head. She hoped he would come down as slowly as he rose, but she was afraid it wouldn't work. Not the way Kate was doing it. Accident car uh, in was Todd, Kate said, struggling to reverse each phrase. But they were doing it without a mistake. Board uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light. Perfectly. Dead is Todd. No mistakes. Board uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light. Sharon fought the urge to shout to stop them. This is very wrong, she whispered to Julie. Julie nodded. She seemed to know, too. Hospital the in is Todd. Board uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light. Coma uh, in is Todd. Board uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light. Coffin his in is Todd. 
Bored uh, as stiff, feather uh, as light, Kate said for the very last time. Each in the circle repeated the phrase. They were done. Sharon raised her eyes to the night sky. Todd was now barely a smudged dot far over their heads, one dark star among all the bright ones. Sharon couldn't tell whether he was still rising. Is he coming down, she asked Julie. Julie didn't answer. Sharon felt a hand clutch her shoulder, fingers digging painfully into her skin. Hey, that hurt, she said as she jerked away. Julie was pointing with her other hand and making sounds that weren't quite words. Sharon looked to where Julie pointed. She too froze. The kids in the circle were still kneeling, but they were no longer on the ground. The whole group was rising. They rose silently, each one staring straight ahead as if locked in place. Finally, Julie spoke. They should have done it your way, she said. I guess so, Sharon watched as Kate and the others rose. She couldn't even see Todd anymore. Should we try to bring them down, Julie asked. Sharon shivered as the night grew cooler. She really didn't want all those kids to float away like chimney smoke. If we do the game wrong, who knows what might happen to us. Yeah, Julie said. We could just float away too. Sharon nodded. That's not all. Think what will happen if we do it right. What? Julie asked. Sharon took one last look at the rising circle. We'll get Kate back. And that would be even worse. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I can't tell you how often I've thought of that story ever since I heard it as a child. Yeah. That's from a book called In the Land of the Lawn Weenies and Other Warped and Creepy Tales. <laughs> okay, I have one more, and it's okay. one from my childhood that I remember. Okay. But it's short. Okay. This is, you've probably heard it, people probably have, but. A long time ago, there lived a girl who had a dark green ribbon tied around her neck. On her first day of school, the boy sitting behind her, whose name was Jim, noticed it from beneath her blonde hair. Why are you wearing that green ribbon? he asked the little girl. She looked at the ground. Someday, maybe I'll tell you, she said and turned away. A year later, they became best friends. While they were eating lunch, Jim asked again, Why do you wear that green ribbon? The little girl laughed awkwardly. Maybe I'll tell you another time. When they entered high school, Jim asked the girl out, and soon she became his girlfriend. One day, as they were kissing, he said, Now will you tell me why you wear that green ribbon? He pleaded with her. Um, maybe I will tell you if we ever get married, she said. Jim fell in love with the girl, and ten years later he proposed, and they got married. <laughs> On their wedding night, the only thing she... Maybe this is inappropriate. <laughs> he said, please tell me why you wear that ribbon, Jim begged. If we ever have kids, I'll tell you, she replied, averting her gaze. Weirded out. <laughs> they had two children, a boy and a girl, and then Jim asked again, now, will you please, please tell me why you wear that green ribbon? His wife sighed and answered, Look, if you really love me, please drop it. One day, I promise I will tell you why. So Jim dropped it, even though he was dying to know. He just accepted the fact that his wife always wore a green ribbon around her neck. They grew old together, and the woman became very sick. The doctor told Jim she was going to die soon. Jim sat by her bedside for days, distraught. And then he finally said, Please, tell me now. Why do you always wear that ribbon around your neck? In a croaky voice, his wife replied, Okay, I'll tell you. You can take it off now. Jim reached for the ribbon with fumbling fingers. He pulled the boat loose and her head fell off. <laughs> Anytime someone wears a choker necklace, I'm like, that's probably Just keeping your head, head off. Jim uh, committed. 
to was figure like, out what was going on. She was like, I have to marry to find out? Fine. Works for me. And then she was about to die, and he's like, I wasted my whole life with you, and you never told me. And now your head's gone. Mm-hmm. And what did the doctor do when he came back in? <laughs> What'd you do? That's the story Jim told him. He's like, That's true. listen, this is what happened. <laughs> Write once, this down. <laughs> once there was a man named Jim. Once I saw a green river. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway... Um, happy spooky Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. Yeah. We hope this brought just a little bit more spookiness. Hope as you're driving or whatever you listen to us, you feel a little jump scared. Yeah, maybe you were like, ah! when the kid floated away. Question, are you going to see Five Nights at Freddy's? I don't know. Because you have the game. I have the game. It doesn't look very good. I've heard it's scary. Really? Yeah. Maybe. I'll see if Lauren wants to go. The thing about seeing scary movies is I don't really want to see them alone. Yeah. And Lauren isn't a big fan of scary mm. movies. So, I don't know. We'll see. What about our friend Zach? Does he watch scary movies? I don't know. I don't want to watch scary movies with Zach. Because <laughs> he can't grab him? <laughs> <laughs> so it's only Lauren? Yeah. Okay, or yeah. Dallin. No. You want to watch a scary movie with Dallin? No, I don't want to watch a scary movie with Dallin. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's about the, like, cuddling. What did you do before you found your wife? I watched him with my mom. Oh. <laughs> that is too good. That's a that's a good audio clip. Stop cuddling. I used to do it with my mom. That's yeah. the most Belknap thing I've heard. Yep. Yep. Um, so anyway, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We'll see you in November. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye.